Episode one. Cheers. Tennessee has the best whiskey. to you from the heart of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. This is the Rock and Roll Conservative Podcast, where conservative beliefs are the new counterculture, where life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are the new punk rock. I'm your host, Kelsey Merritt. So you may be wondering, who am I and why am I doing this? So in order to get into all of that and tell you about the show, I have to give you some background on me. So I am 32 years old. I was born in 1989 in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I am a millennial, a non-woke millennial. And um, I moved to New York City at a young age to pursue a career in the music business. So I'm a 17-year music industry veteran. And that has been my whole life so far. I've been a singer, songwriter, tour manager. I worked in recording studios. I toured for a long time. And that's generally just has been my whole life is having a life in the arts. So I went to college at Berklee College of Music in Boston, Massachusetts, and it was there I started my band. The band was called Kelsey and the Chaos. I made a record. We signed a record deal and basically just went straight on the road for many, many years. So one of our most notable tours was the Vans Warp Tour, and we were out there for five consecutive summers. That's for all my little um, punk pop punk fans out there. We, I was out there for quite a bit of time. And an interesting note is it was typically just me and a bunch of dudes on that tour. So it was me, a couple, maybe one other girl, and just a bunch of guys on a tour bus. So it was a huge groundbreaking moment in my life and a hugely impactful experience for me. And I'll never, ever forget being out on the road. So aside from the touring thing... My band had a single at Top 40 Radio, and we were featured in all the big publications like the New York Times, the Sun Sentinel, MTV, MTV2, and we did tons of appearances and interviews also. And the song that you actually heard at the intro was a song that I co-wrote and I released with my band. All throughout this time, I stayed pretty quiet about my political beliefs because as a conservative thinker, and I've always been a conservative, um... You know, you're not in the majority in the entertainment business. So anybody that knows about the entertainment business would understand that you're definitely not in the majority. And my fear was always I was going to isolate my fan base that I was working so hard to build or I was going to be blacklisted by the entertainment business and music industry executives. And I thought it would hurt my career. So we are seeing this all the time now in Hollywood where it's, you know, you say one thing that's right of center or just common sense. And basically it's like canceled straight away. So that was my fear. And I guess I had a pretty good reason to feel that way. So I decided in the last year or so that by not speaking out and by suppressing my beliefs just to get ahead, that I was no longer staying true to my authentic self and that my job was no longer fitting with what was 
in my, you know, in my core, my core values. So like many of us, just to make money, I found myself biting my tongue and ultimately feeling and being silenced. It took me a great deal of bravery to do this. And it's taken me many months to decide whether or not this is something that I would feel comfortable doing. Coming out publicly, putting myself out there in a public forum, and ultimately in the line of fire. Because as you know, on social media, you know, the few times that I've ever come out and made just simple comments about, I don't know, a a myriad of things, you know, political or otherwise, you get lambasted by people. And even friends that are close to you and people that you've known for a long time, it's like a switch flips and automatically they're just like, they're crazy and they're insulting you and they're calling you racist and they're calling you a misogynist and they're calling you all these things. So it was hard for me to decide to do this because obviously I was scared. So why am I doing this? My goal for this show is to give the voiceless a voice because you can turn on any mainstream news network and hear from politicians and pundits and professionals. But the people's voice has been completely lost in the shuffle. So I want to give people the opportunity, everyday people from all walks of life and backgrounds, to have the opportunity to, ha- to have their voice heard. So this is the platform for that. So like I said, I'm not a journalist, a media personality, a politician, a professional speaker, or a social media influencer. I'm merely just a woman, a wife, a daughter, a sister, a small business owner, and ultimately, I'm a proud American. So listening back to my own recording of the show, I am well aware I'm not an experienced interviewer or a public speaker, and I have a lot to do to improve my skills. And I'm looking forward to working very hard to continue to improve those skills to make this podcast a success. And I know that I stumble occasionally when I'm trying to collect my thoughts or convey my point. And like I said, that's I'm going to continue to work on that. I'm really excited about it because as much as I am a performer, I'm used to live performance on stage. And talking to a camera and asking somebody questions is a totally different game. But I'm up for the challenge and I'm really excited about it. So I welcome all of your feedback and ideas. And if you or someone you know would like to be featured on this podcast, you can email me directly at rockandrollconservative at gmail.com. That's rock, the letter N, rollconservative at gmail.com. I'm open to hearing from anybody. And like I said, it's going to be a lot of very regular people just with interesting either careers or viewpoints. And I want to hear from all of you. So my first conversation is with a man named Javier. And interestingly enough, I met Javier on the Norwegian Joy cruise ship. And I was out on the Norwegian Joy cruise ship in 2019 with my band, my cover band, and we were the house, one of the house bands for the ship. So it was pretty interesting. We got to travel all over. We started in Seattle. We went to Alaska. We went to... San Francisco, LA, all down that California coast to the Mexican Riviera, through the Panama Canal, to Aruba, to Colombia, and all the way back several, several times. And so it was a very fascinating and really, really great experience. I could even do a whole show on what it's like to be a crew on the ship. And I think you guys would really enjoy it because it's it's a totally different, really interesting life. But anyways, I met Javier on the cruise ship. He was the wig designer for the theater show. And just a couple things about Javier. Javier is an amazing makeup artist, an amazing hairstylist. 
an amazing leader, a great creative, a fashion indus- a fashion industry veteran, and just a total amazing person. And I met him out there and he did my hair actually. He was my hairstylist. He he got he did my roots cuz this blonde hair is not is definitely not natural. But anyways, you know, we became friendly. But we didn't never talked about politics because out on a ship, it's so international. You rarely have the opportunity to discuss, you know, current events. It's really not the environment for that. But anyways, when I got home, I noticed that Javier, after we became friends on Facebook, was posting like 5, 10, 15 articles a day or memes or opinions that were really, really conservative. And I was blown away because not only is Javier a creative and an artistic type, but he's also a gay man. And if you, you know, see the media's portrayal of the LGBTQ community, you rarely hear from conservatives in that community. So it blew me away. And I said, I got to talk to this guy because I think this is so fascinating. So he's going to be the first interview for the show. And I'm going to drop the interview right here. Leave some messages, leave some comments, and uh, let's get on with the show. Let's do it. All right. Javier and I met on the Norwegian Joy cruise ship. Uh, I was the lead singer of, I guess you could call it one of the house bands. And um, Mm -hmm. I needed somebody to do my roots, which I do now again. And sadly, you're not here, but you, what were you doing there? You were the wig stylist for the theater show, correct? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, on the shows on the ship, what we have is a department that does the costumes, somebody does the wigs, and somebody does other shows. So I'm in charge of um, looking after the wigs and the makeup department. But yeah, okay. it's the yeah. it's a show of the um, of the ship of the ship. Yeah. So we met, um, you know, through since we were both in the entertainment department, and you're an amazing, incredible hairstylist, like one of. Oh. Like, you get literally like I still talk about he did the most amazing job on my color so when we when we met we never really talked about anything and and the funny thing like I guess politically speaking and what's interesting is on the ship I didn't see a lot of that anyways because there was so many different types of people from so many different backgrounds it just never really Mm -hmm. those those weren't the conversations that we were going to have on a cruise ship you know working Mm -hmm. so um, and then, you. yeah. And then when I came home, you and I became friends on Facebook and I saw, you know, you posted a ton of stuff and I was literally blown away because, um, and I guess this is kind of ignorant of me. I, I, you know, I thought, you know, you're a gay man, um, you know, in the arts, I said, there's no mm-hmm. way somebody, and again, like, this is just my experience. Like I've vet, met very few of you. Like mm-hmm. think the way that you do. So when I saw all of that, I go, oh my gosh, like how fascinating. And so I wanted to ask you um, just about your life and how you came to have the views that you have. And I want to ask you about COVID and you're in, you're in Barcelona, correct? Mm-hmm. And, and I want to ask what it's like there as far as just all the restrictions. So um, just tell me a little bit about your background, like where you grew up, what your family is like, like, like you were saying, and just tell me a little bit about that. Well, I mean, talking back to what you said, I'm really happy that we connected through Facebook, because I think that when you, when you work in a ship, you, you know, you know, you have a very limited amount of 
um, people that you can talk to. And I think that what's very, very weird is that on the entertainment department, which, which we should all be creative, we should all be thinking with our left side of the brain, we should all have that kind of out um, minded, out of the box, thinking out of the box. And it's very weird to, to find out that most people who live in the world of the arts or work in that field, they all seem to think alike. So I limit my conversations to what could be considered as chit chat. You know, I don't really talk about my personal opinions unless I've been asked, because I know I'm going to be going against a mass. You know, I think that they're all going to pile against together and they're all going to try to yeah. combat, combat my point of view. Because in the name of the liberalism, if you don't think like us, you're out. Exactly, so, yeah. especially in the arts. And one of the focus of my show and what I want to do is I want to let, for one thing, I want to give a voice to people like you and I want to give a voice to regular people because you mm -hmm. hear on television you hear from politicians you hear from celebrities but you know the people's voice has really been lost and you know I've experienced it as well being a musician like if you don't think the way that the majority thinks they outcast you and yeah. and my problem and I think the problem is is that arts like you said are supposed to be about diversity of thought right and so when everybody thinks the same, how are you going to create good art that way? I just, I don't understand that, so. I think the, the word of the art is when we all, the art is so independent on itself because mm -hmm. it cannot be categorized. So I think that in the world of the art, we all different. So I don't understand. I mean, that's one of the things that I struggled for so many years. I don't understand why everybody would expect people to be the same when we all love our craft. Our craft, in fact, is a way to express ourselves. So you can't just be like the next. You have to be yourself. And that's the reason why we choose to be an artist. It's not an easy profession, but this is what we feel. This is what we want to do because it represents us. So finding a profession that represents the way you express yourself, but then being confined into the genderness of everybody has to think the same way and everybody has to agree on the same topics and everybody mm -hmm. has to just think that way. I think that it's just contraposition, contraposition that is just really difficult for me to navigate with. So I keep myself for myself um, most of the time. I don't really socialize as much with people because I know what the conversation is going to be like. So I feel that just like with my family, if I'm not able to express what my opinions are, what's the point? I'm going to just be just one number sitting on a chair drinking my beer. I'm not going to be able to be myself. Because if I am myself, I'm going to be attacked by those people who expect me to validate their opinion. So I, I think that the free thinker or the, or the people who think for themselves, they seem, they seem to constantly outcast themselves in a, in a way to prevent being outcasted. So you make that choice initially yourself until you taste the water and then you find who you can talk to. And I think that that's what happened between us. I think that through our social media, we realized that we have very key common points of view and we were able yeah. to develop them. But then when it comes to myself, I mean, I come from a very religious um, family. You know, my family is very traditional. They believe in God, they go to church. So ever since I was really little, I always felt that I had to follow one avenue and one avenue alone. You know, so I knew from very early on my stage, I used to dance to Madonna, I used to put my mom's clothes, my mom's heels, you know. I knew from such an early age that I was very different. So I knew that that avenue wasn't going to be good for me. But I just follow it because that's what I was told that I had to do, right? Okay. But then very early in my teen years, I realized that that avenue doesn't really match with what I want to do with my life. I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. I want to live my life. I want to dance. I want to um, 
do hairstyles. I wanted to do so many more things that that avenue didn't provide me with. So from such an early age in my life, I knew that there was a system and it was um, established narrative that I had to follow if I didn't want to be excluded. But I chose to be excluded. I chose to, this is not the avenue for me. This is not the narrative that fits with my way of being. So I guess that being forced to be an outsider all my life because of how I was and how traditional my family was. I was completely the opposite to my brother. I was happy that my brother was there because that was my dad's boy. So I didn't have to pretend he had right. my brother. Right. I was able to be myself, you know, and my mother has my sister, had my sister. So I was able to be myself without too much pressure. But I knew that it was just one avenue that I could take. So I chose not to take it. From So my upbringing was knowing that no the same avenue fits all, right? Not the same narrative is good for everybody. And then obviously as you grow older, you realize that you started to think for yourself, experiences that you have in your life, relationships, jobs, companies that you work for, you realize that there's always a hidden agenda behind every narrative. So you realize that if you want me to go that way, you are stopping me from going this other way. Why is that? Why if I go this way, why is it not convenient for you anymore? You know, so I, from such an early age, I always thought, I, I, was, I was just used to, to go against the narrative. I was going against the system, you know? So I always, I started to find the pleasure into not following the system and discover what could be denied by the narrative, by the system. So I always wanted to go, I was always the black sheep, as you can imagine. You're always <laughs> trying to go against the Everybody was going one way, oh, I'm going to go that way, you know? So I was always going on the way that the narrative told me not to. Because I always thought, okay, why don't you want me? Because you don't want me, but I choose my own path. That's your path, you do your path, I do mine. So I, from such an early age, I realized that no old path, you can choose, there's so many different avenues, I feel. And I think that because of my family upbringing, I mean, I, I, I grew up in a very loving family. I, yeah. I, I, I still have really good relationship with my family, you know, with my, my, my parents. They've come a long, a long way. You know, they, 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 they were forced. I mean, I had to, you know, I have to give them a speed course on, on what- Absolutely, of course, you know. But it comes to the other side and that, so that sort of gave me a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel because I knew, well, if my parents can come around the concept of being so different to them and still see me through that all through the cloudiness see me for who i am i knew that society had a chance i knew that once people open their minds to it everybody will come around to different concepts so the fact that we refuse different con concepts it just seems so, so a strange concept to me you know why wouldn't you dip into the unknown because once you deepen it you might realize that it's helping you to expand yourself to expand the way you think the way you view life and the way that you view experiences that you're going through so i mean my family gave me the hope of knowing that if you know how to introduce the topic people will you know will be um will respond to it in a absolutely way. absolutely so like for example do you consider yourself a conservative i guess by american standards like the american political standards would you consider yourself a conservative thinker is that how you identify or well, I think that, yes, I'm I, I leaning more towards the considerate. However, I always felt like I was liberal. You know, I, 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 I belonged, you know, I belong to the, to, the, to the concept of you do you, I do mine. 
But now liberalism is you have to do mine. You can't do you. So in my in my mind, I am a liberal as in like I allowed everybody to be themselves and I yes. embrace them and celebrate them for who they are. But the liberals, the liberals today is you either like me or you're not included. Isn't that so, interesting? Because you know, the way that conservative is projected in the media is that we're the ones that are uptight about the way people live their lives. We're afraid of people's uh, viewpoints. Like we only deal in, you know, God's gone religion. We're anti-gay. I don't see that in all at all in my conservative friends. I see them actually nowadays being more tolerant than the people on the left. So it's just, it's so bizarre because, you know, I feel like being a conservative now is like being a liberal in the sense that we just don't want to be, we don't want things pushed in our face. We don't want to be told that we can't go to church if we want to go to church. We don't want to be told if we, like, you know, the COVID thing is a whole, that's brought out the absolute worst in people as far as their opinions. Um, But it's just, it's funny. It's just funny to me that now it's the liberal thinkers are the ones that are are close-minded that's the way that i see it anyways yeah yeah i think that it's, it's just it's just knowing that the narrative that is out there you don't have to follow it if it doesn't fit you and i think that society has has always established different boxes into we all need to fit right right you learn from such an early age in the school that you have to be certain way in order to be accepted, in order to be validated, in order to be embraced. You have to fit in one of the boxes that society offers you. Mm-hmm. And from the moment that you don't fit, you automatically get excluded or outcasted. So I feel that um, liberalism has minimized those boxes into just one, right? So if you are liberal, you have to be thinking this way. You have to be, you, you have to just do the things that liberal are told they have to do. And automatically, because you don't want to be a non-liberal, you do everything that they told you that you have to do. So living liberal is about freedom. So I think that when you belong to a group of people that think that being a liberal means being constructed by just one narrative, you're automatically not a liberal. You're just a follower, a follower that is following a guideline that has been set and established for you to follow. And you can't express against it because from the moment that you express against it, you have the mass going towards you and against you. So I feel that most people who want to be accepted and validated by others, those people who want to feed, they completely forgot to think for themselves and they simply follow in the narrative and the orders and establish um, idealist, uh, idealistic that you have to have in order to, f- to feed into the liberal world. Yes, correct. I mean, it's really, it's really complex, really. It really, truly is complex. I think that today politics are using insecurities that society creates within humans mm-hmm. that, that forces you into wanting to be accepted, validated, and celebrated. And in order for that, you risk your own values and principles to fit and to... So I was talking to my friend the other day, I think that we're cultivating and we perpetuate an ego. Right, and I think that ego, that's the reason why I'm so um, spiritual these days, because I think that the ego is what gets in the way of you making your choices and you allowing other people to make choices. I think that we live in a society that has been um, pushed too much into acceptance, into validation. I mean, we have applications nowadays. The young generation is completely lost. I think you have applications that are 
cultivating validation. You do the things in order to get the likes. The likes, so do- the shares, yes. The, the Facebook, the, the social media world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I think that you, you've been conditioned to feel that you have to do things in order to be validated. And the main goal is the validation, is the followers, is the likes. So I think that we're cultivating that sort of generational um, society principle, which is you have to be validated. No matter what you do, you have to do the things that get you validated for. So you no longer listen to your values, your morals, you no longer listen, listen to your logical thinking. You automatically do the things that you know you're gonna get validated. And the things that get you validated is the things that is the narrative. And it's cool you. and it's popular, right? I mean, that's, that's typically. So we're perpetuating, I think, a, a society that is unconsciously lying People are not doing what, what they would do. They do the things that they believe that they have to do in order to get likes. So I think that the true essence of everybody is being lost. And we're constantly being conditioned to search for the answer out there. And I think that the answer will always be inside because we all go through different things in life. We all have- Of course. And we can and also we- change our viewpoint and yeah. we can also evolve our viewpoints. And and um, I just think, how old are you? How old I'm are 41. You? Okay, I'm 32. Um, my husband's 42. Um, we like our generation that's been so exposed to social media and the generations coming up. It's like they, it's like morals are a bad thing. Like I don't, and I don't understand why that is. I mean, you know, in the older days, you were taught that you know there was just certain things that, um, that certain things you know you followed your heart. And now it's mm-hmm. just, it's the completely, or, or, you know, and we're all raised a certain way. Like you seem to have been raised in a very con- kind of a conservative home, religious home. I mean, what's wrong with carrying some of that with you? I mean, I mean I'm sure you don't agree with everything that you were brought up to, to believe in your house, but what's wrong with loving God or being religious? If, if, you know, especially nowadays, I feel like spirituality is all we have to get through mm-hmm. this horrible yeah. time. It's, and it's an awful time politically uh, with the COVID. It's just, it's awful. So, I mean, we need more God and I'm not religious. I, I for a long time, I considered myself an atheist really. Um, but I, we need more God now than ever. Right. Yeah. I think what we need to do is we need to look inside. And I think that when people have faith, they pray and they, they have, Praying, talking to God is like having a talk conversation with yourself, right? Because God is non is is nowhere. It's not it's not a physical form or physical concept. So talking to God is to, you're talking to your inner self. So I think that when people pray or people have faith or people believe in something that is non-exist, is is not something that you can see exists, but it exists within you, right? So I think that people who are in contact with faith, God source whatever you want to call it you know whatever religion you belong to whatever is your 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 beliefs you know there is a powerful force that you can talk to in order to gain faith or to keep on going through hard times so i think that that's what we've been told that we shouldn't be doing and if you're looking into what's going on today in society the whole structure of family is being destroyed the whole structure of religion is being destroyed the whole structure of living in a community is destroyed so i think that if you if you look from the outside and you look at what the narrative that our generation is going through um, 
you and I, at least we had a good upbringing that keeps us stable as to what our principal values are. But there's so many people who come from broken families already and they have no, no pillars in which to hold on to. Yes. So the only information sources that they can have is what they see from the external. And the external is a narrative that is so this is so corrupted and so um, yes. and so toxic that destroys absolutely anything that can give you a strength. And you need a strength in order to have faith in yourself. When you don't have faith in yourself and when you don't trust your own beliefs and morals, that's when you do what the narrative tells you to do. Yes. And I think that explains very clearly what's going on now with COVID. I think that COVID is making every is 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 forcing everybody to look inside. And those of us who have strong pillars, a strong foundation, we can then learn how to live with it without being in fear. But yes. those who don't, they they fall into the fear mongering um, negativity and a spiral that doesn't allow you to think for yourself. It's like, for example, my family, my family sits in front of the TV for nine hours, right? Every single day. And they oh get God. fed all that fear mongering, all that so many people die and now you have to wear your mask, don't wear your mask, now can you wash your hand, don't wash your hands, you can go out, you can go in all the time. So they no longer know what they what to think. Yes. They no longer they, they don't have just one single option. They have a, a, co a completely set of options and they don't know what to believe. So they sit there to be told what to believe that day. Wow. Yeah. And that's, and that's true of most people. I mean, you know, we're, we're going to talk about COVID because I want to hear what's going on where you live. But here, the way that I see it is I've isolated myself to the point, like, because I can't be around the fear. I actually, mm -hmm. I got COVID in, in October. Okay. I know I'm young and healthy. Um, you know, we could get into so many different aspects of this, but I just, I choose to live my life. And, and mm -hmm. for people like us, this has affected our livelihood, I'm sure for you too, so greatly. Mm -hmm. um, I just, you know, no one is saying that COVID is a hoax in the sense it exists, but how it's been handled is so insane to me i mean now it's like you can't if somebody like i'm an anti-mask person you know from the data that i've read and from the things that i've seen i don't think they prevent the spread of the virus one two i think they're dirty i think most people don't change them so you're essentially wearing a dirty diaper on your face eight hours a day and then you know to go to like last night i went to a restaurant i'm in nashville tennessee we had to wear a mask into the restaurant we had to have a, our temperature checked then when we sat down, they told us when the waiter comes over, you have to wear your mask, but you can take it off to eat and drink. To me, we got up and left. I don't, I don't want to spend my day. I don't want to spend my free time going out, spending $200 on dinner in fear that I might, you know, and you know, it's just crazy how it's been handled. So what is it, what is it like where you are? You're in Barcelona. So where, what is that like there? I mean, um, Spain as a whole is a country that, um, I don't know why. I don't know why. I think that it's because the good weather. I think that all the, the places in good weather, they're very reliant or, on, they give power to government. They rely on somebody save me instead of like, I have to save myself. So I think that people are pretty much like what you can call ships. People do whatever the TV tells them to do that day. Even though it's completely the opposite of what TV told you yesterday or completely the opposite to what the TV will tell you. Right. To follow. Right. They just do that, that day. Mm. So... At the moment, everything is closed. Like you can, you, you know, you don't, you can't really go to a restaurant. You can't really go to a big 
mall. You can only just go to a small shops because they have a minimum amount of people that they can come in. So everything is pretty much closed. A lot of people have lost the business. Spain is a country that relies heavily on tourism. I think it's 80%, 80% of the market is the revenue comes from tourism. So I think that all hotels close, all restaurants close. I mean, it's not that we don't get the revenue, but also the amount of jobs that this industry offers is also gone. So I think that people not only have this whole virus, but also have the only way of living in this country, which is tourism, is completely gone. There's no way that you can you can find another job or find an, a way to revenue. So we become dependent of what the government is. So the government pretty much just have it in out of his hand, which is under my point of view, but it was all along what they wanted all along. Yes. Because I think that Spain is, is, is you still have a few people that protest in the streets against the lockdowns. People wow. who have been people who have been brought to the precipice and they have nothing to lose. Therefore, they they fight with their own bodies. But you can't underestimate the power of a family that doesn't have money to feed their kids. When you have nothing to lose and everything to risk, that's when you get out of the streets and you fight and you're going to be heard and you're going to scream your voice loud. So we're starting to see that movement happening. Obviously, it's been, oh, the non-mask wearers and the anti-vaxxers. You're always going to get branded when you try to go against the narrative. Exactly. You're always going to, the narrative is going to try everybody to go against you. They're going to put you into a bad light. Oh, you conspiracy theories. It's yeah. only... But those people, they have nothing bad about them. They just want to be able to feed their families. And that's the reason why they are in the streets. These people don't want to cause any harm to anybody. They just want to feed their family. I know. But the, way, the way that the media is portraying it, it's, oh, that's the enemy. That's, that's the one that doesn't want to follow. The and they're spreading the virus. It's like, if I don't wear a mask, I'm the reason that the COVID is still continuing the, to surge in numbers and, you know, without getting into the, doing a deep dive into the way that the numbers are inflated or how, you know, all the different things. I mean, the way that I see COVID is this was a perfect opportunity to, to usher in a state run system where you're eating out of the government's hand, you're dependent on the government to throw you the crumbs, the small business sector, even here is being destroyed. I mean, you know, maybe we don't have the kind of lockdown where you can't go out or you get a ticket if you don't wear a mask, but it is, I mean, in Nashville, um, in Nashville, uh, this is a music and hospitality town. The bars close at 10. Um, the musicians are out of work. The restaurants are struggling. I mean, it's just, it's just very sad to see what's happening it's, gone. it's the same thing here i mean the industry that we have a lot of bars a lot of spectacles for tourists you know a lot of yeah. like um, restaurants that have a show through dining you know i think that all that is gone my theory is and it all makes perfect sense to me however i think that you you can't really speak this with everybody because not everybody is willing to accept this if you think about it, society, the way the system has been established, they try to sort of fight against everything that could make you strong, like family values, principles, religious faith. Mm -hmm. They're trying to fight, if, to fight against everything that could offer you a, a level of support, emotional support, right? And they, they're bombarding you with everything that could be destroying your strength, like fear, um, financial issues, family yes. issues. No, you're not able to feel the love from your loved ones because you can't get out of the streets. I mean, in here we have a, um, a curfew from 10, 10, 10 p.m. and you're not allowed to go to the street. If you go to the street, you will get arrested. Then you can, there is so many, you can't go in the streets without a mask. Like mask has been 
implemented for it's been like five months now five months that you can leave your house without a mask what happens if you're caught if you're caught without the face diaper on well i always wear it underneath i i always i wear it on my ears but i wear it underneath my chest and then if i see a police officer i sort of like pretend that i'm putting it on but i walk around breathing air and i'm not dead i mean i've not gotten sick you know and and i think that um, you, you manage to find a way to sort of like coexist in a society that everybody lives under so many rules. But my, my theory is society or the narrative of the, you know, the, um, the system is taking anything that can, make, that can allow you to remain strong and is offering you all of the things that could take that strength away exactly. by by So why do they do this? Who benefits out of this? And I think that those are the questions that everybody should be should be questioning themselves. Who benefits out of this situation? Okay, so if you take away the small businesses, if you take away the big businesses, if you take away, the, if you wipe out completely um, the economy, you're going to put people relying on the government, right? So if you thought that your right is to have like $2,000 a month, now that you're desperate, you'll be happy to have 500. Of course. So for the for the government, it's a lot more convenient to pay you five hundred than to pay you two thousand. So, in that sense, the government is already is already winning when it comes to reducing the standards of your rights on yourself. As in, like, I'm not telling you what to do. No, you accepting in order. You know what I mean? Now, yes, it's like it's they're dangling a carrot. So basically, we'll give you money, but you've got to stop. You've got to basically shut up and go along. They make you want it. Yes. They don't force, yes. They don't force they're not forcing it to you, but they psychologically put you in a situation where you well, want yeah. it. If you can't work, I mean, what, what do you do? If you can't feed your family, what what can you do? You know, so that that's, I wanted to ask you, so um, you're, you're a gay man, correct? Mm -hmm. What is it like to be gay? That's your sexual orientation and think the way that you do. Like how, how has, how has, that how have how have you been treated in, in light of that? Well, by your really own funny. community, by your community. My community, if you think about it, the gay community have gone through. Everybody who's been gay has gone through some hardship on their lives, right? They have they have gone through some trauma, and they have to find a way to get out of that trauma. Some just with the help of your family, some just without the help of your family. So I think that I feel very well supported by the people within my. My, my field within the gay community. But it's very, um, it's very different because for example, when I'm in the US, I realize that the gay community in the US is completely different. It's just a completely, you know, entity on their own. And you realize that it's not just because you're gay, it's the system that have conditioned you to act in a way. So for example, when I talk to somebody gay in the UK, have completely different ideology of why, what somebody that comes from the US will tell me. So when it comes to me, I always felt like I'm going against a narrative because that's, I think that that's just my nature. I like to sort of like, if you tell me to go through A, I'm going to go through B. That's always what I've done. If you're happy to, be, to come with me, fine, ignore see yourself. That's, I never force anybody to follow me, but I also don't allow them to force to force me into following them. So everybody who knows me, they know that that's just the way I am. If this is what I want, that's what I do. Right, you're right. You're going to have to convince me really hard. You're going to have to sort of show me pros and cons in order to make me make that choice. But I, I, I base my choices only on my own perception. And I think that people that know me know that. 
And people that know me know that I have a brain. I don't mind using it and I don't <laughs> mind speaking. You know? So people come to me always to sort of give them a different point of view because they know that I'm going to be thinking out of the box and they know that what I'm going to tell them is exactly what I mean and what I think is going to be an honest. Some people not always receive it the right way because people not, don't take what they don't want to hear well. Yeah, but they exactly. Know yeah, exactly. They, they yeah. know that what I'm saying is the truth. But then again, I think that within the gay community, what happens is that Politics, the same way that, um, I think that is politics. I mean, you can call it the system, you can call it the narrative, you can call it the society, but it's literally just politics. Politics is, is the driving force that guide you into following the guidelines, right? So I think the politics always use people's emotional insecurities or emotional issues to drag you along. So I think that if you look into it, like any minority, yes, sexual gender, sexual orientation, um, nationality, religion, um, race, they all have an emotional attachment to any insecurity they have for being different. So I think that when you have a force like the government it tells you, okay, we're gonna listen to you. You are important to us. But in order for you to feel like you belong with us, you're gonna have to think like us. So I think that it's been an emotional play, it's an emotional game that they play on those people's emotional issues in order to take them on with them. So it's very easy for me to see that. Just because you're gay, you have to be supporting the liberals, right? Because if you're gay, you're meant to be liberal. But it's like, yeah, I am gay, but I also, I have friends that they like to go to the church and pray. So if I am meant to be liberal, should I not have friends that they go to church? How does this work? Just because I'm gay, am I, support, am I supposed to not be religious or not be spiritual? Therefore, do I have to eliminate out of my circle the people that aren't like me? Because that's not what I stand for. In fact, I always, I, from such an early age, being different, you, you, you want to be accepted. But then you can't be accepted if you lead with division. And I think that that's what people don't understand nowadays. Everybody wants to be accepted, right? Everybody wants to be and everybody wants to be validated. However, they refuse to accept anything that's different to them. So it's like, how can you expect to be accepted if what you're pro pro projecting is division? So I think that if you look into left and right, let's put it that way, it's easier. So if you look into the left, the left are telling you that anybody who thinks right, not accepted. But then exactly. the, people who are, the people who are in the right, they have to accept the left because that's what you have to accept. So how can you expect your opponent to accept you if you're not willing to accept your opponent. And also accepting your opponent doesn't mean that you have to change what you believe. It means that you respect that the other person thinks differently to you, and that's fine. Exactly, I don't understand why it's, you know, I've lost so many friends and I don't yeah. wanna lose my friends. Oh my. I love my friends, but it's, it's like, I don't feel that way about them. I disagree vehemently with a lot of people's politics but i can i can see beyond that and and i just i don't understand why i mean there's just such polarization let me ask you this so did you like donald trump were you a trump fan no in the beginning because i honestly i didn't really put that much attention to politics when i you know i always knew that the politics had a hidden agenda and the left and the right were wings belonging to the same bird I knew that there was corruption all over. I knew that the left and the right wasn't, you know, they were just part of the same of the same machinery, you know? Mm -hmm. They this makes them, they, they made the mistake, so everybody fixed it. And then 
fixing this, it's going to take care of you, but you have to, you know, it's just a whole system that is, is, um, is being set and it's being built in order to take you in one path, right? So sure. I never really put attention to politics because I always thought that it was corrupted. But then I started to, to see things for myself and then hear what I was told. I started to, oh, you know, to, I mean, I, it all sort of clicks for me when, you, when, the, when the virus started really, because that's when I really, I was out of work, I had a lot of time and I have the, the energy and the, and, the, and the curiosity to find out about it. So when you remember when they made so much fun of Trump about drinking bleach for the virus and things mm -hmm. like that, I was like, I, I, Honestly, doubt that somebody who's a businessman, somebody who's been who's been dealing with very very big fishes in offices, and had somebody who's been pushing and pushing and pushing in a business world, in a corporate world, will be saying this. So I did my own research and I realized that he wasn't actually saying this. So then I thought, okay, so if he's not, if you listen to the full statement that he made, he doesn't say this. So then, if he doesn't say this, why the TB? And everybody else is telling me that this is what I'm saying. So that made me think, okay, well, they're lying because they want to convince me of something that isn't true. And then that's when my radar came on. I was like, oh, oh somebody's telling me to do something that I don't want to do. And that's when I start putting my resistance. When I see that somebody's forcing me to doing something that I see, I don't, I can debate it. That's when I was like, oh, a minute, I see a hidden agenda here. Like I, I, I smell it from the distance, there is a hidden agenda here that is making me want to hate this man for this, when in fact, this is not what he said. And then I started to do my own research and I realized that every single thing that he attacked, they attack him for is attacking the messenger, not the message, right? So I realized I, I personally have been attacked because the message is not convenient. So they attack the messenger. And that's something that's been going on for years. When you can attack the message, because the message is truthful, it's straight and it's honest, you attack the messenger. And then I started to realize that any channel that you listen to, it was attacking the character of Donald Trump, but not what he was doing. Because what he was doing, if you actually listen to it, is nothing negative. So then I started to sort of, I, I found myself in conflict because everybody around me, absolutely everybody around me, despised Trump, right? So. From the moment that you start to think you, you have a conversation with everybody, it's like, wait a minute, but listen to this. Some people are like, I don't want to listen to anything. It's like, okay, wait a minute. So in an argument, there's always two points of view. In order for you to determine who's to blame, you have to listen to both. But then I realized that I live in we live in a society where people refuse to listen to one side. Exactly. And because and the thing is, if, if sorry to interrupt you, but when you listen to Donald Trump, you might not like his delivery. You might not like him, but the things that he was doing for this country and for the world really were great things, right? I mean, they were great. I mean, already Biden has reversed so many things yeah. that I think are going to hurt the economy of the U.S., hurt the economy of the world, you know, usher us into globalism. I mean, we were finally t uh, putting restraints on China. Like that was yeah. a good thing for the world. Now yeah. all bets are off with that. And I just think people hated him so much because of what they were told that they wouldn't take the time to just listen, listen exactly. to what he's saying. Look at the policy like you do your own research. How hard is that? You spend all day scrolling social media, right? Boom, boom, boom. Take some time to do some actual research. What are you know, the policies? You, you know? know what it is? 
if you do, if you if you take the time to listen what Trump is saying, and you don't listen to what the TV tells you he said, you risk having an opinion that don't match with the box that you feel so comfortable in, right? So I think that the psychology behind it is, I don't want to listen to him no, just in case I like what he says, and then I'm not accepted. Exactly. Oh my gosh. If this is, oh my gosh. So, you know, I don't, I mean, how do you feel about, I mean, I guess Trump is out of office now, unfortunately, and we don't even have time to get into the election and whether or not um, there was foul play, although I tend to believe just from what I've seen. Um, it is obvious. It is uh, obvious. Yeah. Even, even, even nobody you've seen is the way that they reacted when it comes to hiding it. That's, that tells the story. They, they don't want transparency. So to me, if I were being truthful, I'd say dig hear the cases in court, have it at it, but they didn't. So to me already it's, it's when it's, when somebody lies to you in that fashion, um, I just, I don't know. I just, but we don't even have to get into that because that would be like another, we could do this another time. But um, I mean, what did you think of Trump's um, policies for LGBTQ people? Like, I mean, they made it, the media made it seem like he was so anti-gay and, and, and I don't, that wasn't true at all. But that's the thing, you know, is once again, is, is willing to be fed something without the need to do your own research. And you can, Somebody who is willing to believe something just because they told you and they don't take the time to do their own research is not somebody that's going to be willing to listen to something, you know. So I think that when it comes to explaining what Trump is all about and how does he does his things, because, yes, he might have his ways. He might be arrogant or he might he might just not be somebody that everybody likes. But that's exactly what that's the character that you need for somebody who's gonna go against the system. I mean, I can only, I have a, um, in, in my microcosmos, I had to fight against everybody that I know because I think differently. So I can only imagine what it must have felt for him to fight against a world, a powerful world that will do, that will play as dirty and as low as they can in order to get you out because you represent a threat, right? But then you understand, it's like, Trump knew, I mean, this is, it gets really political, but Trump knew that he was going to have everybody against him. So I think that Trump came to the office knowing that everybody was going to go against him. So I think that he played into it because right. I've done myself sometimes. You play dumb so people don't see you as a threat. So I think that he knew exactly what, he, what his mission was as soon as he got into office. And he allowed everybody to talk about his hair, about his hands, about his tan, about <laughs> the way he, yeah. his mouth. He allowed all that nonsense to go on because while, while people were hitting him, he was doing things the way that he, they needed to be done. And I think that the same reaction that I had when I realized that he didn't advise people to drink bleach, that was a lie. This is the reaction that everybody is having now, today, towards Biden. Biden said, oh, I'm not going to ban fracking. I'm not going to be taking the, the immigration. I'm not going to be. There's so many things that he said that he was going to do that he absolutely failed to, to maintain. And now people are going through the exact same awakening process. Like, wait a minute. They lied to me. Right. The same. Yes. The same. The same exact process that I went to. And I think that this can only be something really positive. I, I'm honestly not going to be saying to everybody what they need to be doing, but what, what, 
what I think is happening is people who don't take the time to do the research have been slapping the face with the truth. So oh the, the research, Absolutely. The don't need to be done anymore. The truth is so painful that even if you don't do the research, it's slapping you in the face, right? So now what's going to happen from now on is like going to be like, oh, wait a minute. I'm going to do my research. And the same thing that you and I decided to do the research on our own and completely denied what people were failing us with, that was what happening today. When it comes to what's going on with the election, I have my own theories. I've done, I mean, I don't know how many hours of research I've done. I, I enjoy it. This is something that I discovered myself enjoying it. I like to dig, I like to go into documents, I like to listen to conversations, see, see um, interviews, see documentaries, to be informed as to what it is that's going on. And I managed to gather an amount of political information that I never thought I would enjoy, but I finally up mesmerizing how over these years, the politics have always played a cards into people's emotional struggles in order to control. And I think that the climax is now this COVID. COVID is the clear example of emotion manipulation in order exactly. to get- Exactly. I could not have said it better myself. Like you are, I just, you are so interesting and so, there's just so few of you and, and it has nothing to do with your sexuality or the fact that you're, you know, from another part of the world. It's just, there's just so few people that are willing to think freely and discuss ideas. Now it's, there's no discussion of ideas. It's you, there is a price. There is a price. You're, I, I can I cannot tell you the amount of people that block me on Facebook. I cannot tell you the amount of people that not block me on Instagram. There is a price to pay when you want to speak your truth. And the, for me is okay, if you're gonna block me because I think differently to you, be it. Because at some point I was gonna disagree with you at something. And this if this is the reaction that you were gonna have, save me from that hassle and give, uh, give me that reaction now. So I don't waste my time investing into a friendship that at some point is gonna fall apart because we think differently. So I think that. My sister is very spiritual, right? My sister is somebody who does yoga, somebody who's constantly telling me to eat better, to look after <laughs> myself. She has, you know, she, she has this sort of like um, green uh, hippie, she smokes weeds, she, you know, so like she, she, ha she has this very open-minded kind of vibe about her. And I think that over the years, she's become a lot more spiritual than she, was, than she ever was. So she's always trying to sort of gather me into the spiritual. I'm much more rational because I, I like to think critically. I like to use my brain. The whole spiritual thing was always something uh, a little bit like, oh, you know. But she got me into it. And then I realized that <clears throat> everything that's going on now has a spiritual explanation as to what it is that we need to do. So in the spiritual world, that I, this is information that I recently got at, but in the spiritual world, we all have forgotten <clears throat> or we have been guided into, as I said to you before, you lose your family, you lose your religion, you lose your faith. So you no longer believe in yourself. So we as a human beings have an energy and a frequency that, re that needs positive influence in order to vibrate at a high vibration, right? Yes. So everything that we, everything the society, the system, politics, everything that we see today is generating and negative is envy, is um, uh, insecurities, is, oh, you're so much better than me. Look at your picture. Look how successful you are. Look, oh my God, you, you have the most amazing holidays. 
we're constantly being bombarded by things that will make us feel bad about ourselves. Comparing our physics, comparing our jobs, comparing, comparing our salaries, comparing the group of friends that we have, comparing our lives. So I think that everything that we expose now is, is, is generating a negative emotion on us. So going back to the, to the um, spiritual, I think that the higher you vibrate, the higher positive mind that you have, this, the more strength you have in order to believe your own thoughts. So I think that in order for people to trust themselves and not be influenced by what the media tells you or what the TV tells you, what your friends tell you, you have to be able to operate at a higher frequency. In order to operate at a higher frequency, you have to cut out the things that make you feel low, right? And in order for you to cut out what makes you feel low, you have to cut out social media, you have to cut out the TV, you have to cut out the shows, you have all the things that influence you in a way that makes you feel bad, bad. Yeah. and lowers your frequency is the very same things that stop you from getting out of it. And the same, that's what I think in a lot of ways COVID has done to people. It has just lowered everyone into such a fear state of mind, so scared so that it's just, it's destroyed people's human it's spirit. Just, this human spirit think. is being destroyed. And you that's a think. big cost. That's a huge price to pay. For a virus yeah. with a 99% survival rate. Yes. I, I posted this, this post the other day that I copied from, from somebody's um, article, and it says 99.9 of the people didn't die in the world. And then it got fact-checked. Like, oh that's a God. fact. I took that one from an official government page, and then I posted it onto my Facebook, Facebook or Instagram, I don't know, and it got fact-checked. Right, and there's like three fact checks that say that that's not true. It's like, okay, you you know, like, but then again, you you realize these little things tell you that there is a system generating obstacles for the truth to come out. And by by true, I mean the power that we all have to make our own choices and think for ourselves. That's what I that's what I call truth. Your truth. My truth might be different to yours. Your truth might be different to your husband. We all have our own truth. But in order for our truth to shine, you're going to have to eliminate those things that are there in order to tell you that your truth is not right. My truth is right to yours. And it takes, it goes back into what we were saying. I think that we're perpetuating a system where ego is so important that it doesn't matter what you're saying. What it matters is I need to be right. It doesn't, it no longer matters the concept or the subject or the topic that you're talking. Right. The matter is, I'm right, you're wrong. Right? So I think that I got myself into countless amounts of conversations in which people no longer listen to what I'm saying. They just, I'm right, and you're wrong. Okay, that's it. Yeah, I'm right, and, and you see wrong. this all day on social media. It doesn't matter what you say. I mean... I don't know. I mean, this has been so amazing. I have one more question for you. Do you plan on... Uh, getting back on a cruise ship to work as long as i don't have to wear a mask and get injected same and i don't think that that's going to happen in fact we worked for norwegian cruise lines and and something i just saw in the news is that they are going to require uh, the vaccination for all crew members and you know we had such a great time on that cruise we were able to be creative i was playing music seven days a week we were making great money we were traveling the world we we're having a blast but i just i can't i don't I don't want to take the vaccine, so I won't. If that's the case, I won't be going either. Sadly, I would say, 
I, I will take the position of the Me Too movement, my body, my choice. Right? Oh, and that is where we will end this interview. My body, my choice. And now that's okay. Yeah. I can't think of a better way to end this. Javier, you are so cool and so special. And I, I'm going to put this out. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't do it anymore. I can't hide my views anymore. I spent so many years in the music industry, scared of what people thought of me and it's over. I want to vibrate on that high frequency. I want to speak my truth and just having people like you around is such a blessing and thank you for everything. I want to, you. You're going to come back on. You're going to, we got to do this again. I also, I mean, let's just do an episode where we talk more into politics, like full on politics. Okay. So what is, what is that happening with Trump? But what is that happening yes. with Biden? Because I think that there is so much to discuss there. Let's do it. It's let's do be, it. It's not going to be for everybody. So I'm sure that the comments in your, in your section are going to be like loaded with, you know, with trolls. Whatever. I think, <laughs> I think that, I think that people, the same way that the you and I exist, there's so many people out there who don't have a voice that they can represent them. So I think that even though we might have to go against our social circle, the, the groups that we have and our family that we have, yeah. there is somebody out there that is feeling represented by our comments, by you and I talking about a different point of view. And so I, I love that. that. That's what I want to do with this, this podcast, yeah. this show, is I want to give a voice to regular people. Your opinion, your views are important to me and they're important to the world. So we have to keep sharing them. Yeah. And you don't have to compromise your beliefs just because everybody around you don't, don't share them. The beauty about human beings is the fact that we all different. We have to celebrate individuality. We have to honor our differences. Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what the whole unity comes for? We have to honor our differences, differences, political differences, viewpoints, religion, you know, chases. You have to honor, respect, and embrace, and celebrate people's differences. That's the only way forward. And anybody who says the opposite is not on your train. It's a, they, they, it's, a, it's a different train to the one that you're coming into. So don't worry. If they choose, everybody's free to choose whatever train they want to take. That's just not the same train as you. It doesn't have the same destination. So I want to get on your train. Your train is fun and you're super <laughs> and you're super like Javier was in the gym every day on that cruise ship. You have like the hottest body. Like you are, uh -huh. you, you are so cool <laughs> and so talented. So I, I want on your train, Javier. Can I come on your you train? Have a, you have a free, you and your husband have a free ticket on my train. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So we'll do this again and yes. we'll, and we'll structure it so that you can, we can really deep dive into some of the things that yes. we didn't get to today. Yes. How's that? I love awesome. Thank you. Oh, I love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. And that wraps up episode one of the rock and roll conservative podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us back here for more great guests. I'm really excited about some of the people I'm going to have on in the coming months. If I can impart one piece of wisdom here, I think it would be that it's up to us. You and I, regular, everyday people to stand up and speak out against the mob. The politicians in Washington, D.C., Hollywood celebrities, the mainstream media, and the education system don't have the guts to speak truth to lies. So it's up to us. So be brave and be fearless. So I'd like to end every episode with a quote, and this one comes from Ronald Reagan. He says, if fascism ever comes to America, it will come in the name of liberalism. So I'll see you guys next time. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America.
Yeah, just blade people. <laughs> yeah, just do Freddy Krueger blades.